Good morning, everyone. So, <clears throat> you've, prob you've probably got the sense already, or the understanding, or the feel, that these explorations and this kind of paradigm that we're uh, exploring and presenting, <clears throat> that one of the sort of key features of it, characteristics of it, is its tendency to be able to expand and to want to expand into different uh, arenas, domains, re reaches. So when there was a question and I said, well, in a way, if I had to sum up really briefly, what's the, what's the point of all this? Why are we doing it? I, I would put that in, in the language of to expand, to open up further and further the senses of sacredness. So this idea of <coughs> possible expansion, possible, possible growth is, is a feature, characteristic, kind of, um, intrinsic almost, uh, the possibilities of uh, extensions, reaches, ranges, expanding in different aspects and domains. You've probably kind of got that sense already. Um, soul is, it's, uh, you, you could say there's something very organic here. It's really uh, like a living thing that wants to grow, like a tree or, or something else. Uh, and and so this, this uh, notion of, or fact of wanting to expand, or at least the potentials to expand, um, is really key. So you probably got that sense already. This morning, I want to kind of uh, draw together, uh, under that rubric of expansion and range, um, five, five uh, domains uh, of, of possible expansion, possible e extension of range. Um, and then we won't have time to go into all of them, so we're just going to pick two to explore in a bit more detail. But if I just go through them quite briefly, um, and actually, it's, all this has already been said, but it might be good to think of this, put them all together as a list of five under the idea of possible ranges, and where am I with that, with those possible ranges? So, the first is the, the whole idea of the elements of the constellation or the lattice. Um, we might feel, you might feel in your practice that um, so far you've got a really good sense of uh, or it feels like a very alive and rich sense of some of those elements. They really make sense to you. You've experienced them. They've, they've even opened up uh, in ways that were unexpected, etc. But others, others of them are a bit kind of cloudy or even um, kind of still relatively inert. Nothing has really happened there at all. They haven't really illuminated. So there's no right or wrong in this, but there is this... Um, Let's, let's call it an intrinsic potential or even an intrinsic eros that soul has to reach out and open up and illuminate more and more of these nodes. So part of the investigation is, uh, and we'll come back to this, is where, where am I uh, in my, uh, let's say, my soul's opening out to a sense, an experiential sense, and also an understanding of, of these elements. Okay, so that's the first one, that in terms of the a domain of possible expansion and increase of range uh, in practice. The second one, um, 
go in any order here. But the second one, again, mentioned all of these before, but just to collect them together and from a certain angle in terms of this idea of expansion and possibility and where I am. Uh, second one is the expansion along the axes of the soul-making, uh, beginning to involve, infect, infuse um, self, other, and world. So actually in any moment of perception, any moment of any kind of perception at all, there is always some sense, no matter how subtle or vague, of some kind of subjective sense, some kind of self-sense, some kind of objective sense, and some kind of world sense. And these, these three can feel very separate or um, very hard or, or kind of um, much more uh, connected and open. But still, that triad is um, absolutely intrinsic to any moment of perception. Self, other world. And the question for soul-making is, what, what are the perceptions of self, other world at any time? But in terms of expansion, possibility, and range... Um, what, what, what's my, what do I notice here? Perhaps do I have a tendency for the other, the object, for example, to be where all the, um, erotic imaginal, uh, coming alive is at and not so much the self? Or it, I don't really let it spread to the world. Or perhaps the other way around. I'm, I'm so, um, kind of, uh, taken with the way I come alive as an imaginal subject and, and I can kind of fall in love with it. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's, it's really a question of balance. Like, is, is the water, what are the waters of soul flowing in, in these three directions? Does it make sense? Um, or is one of them, it tends to be a bit lopsided. And if so, which way? People will differ and, and it differs over time. But actually, I'd like to add one more element into that, which is eros. So self, other world, eros. And you could say eros is a part of myself. It's a, it's a, an aspect or an energy or force in myself. But again, the question is, what tends to get, uh, to become quite fully and vividly and richly and erotically imaginal for me of those four? And which maybe tends to get missed? Like, my own eros, has that become, for myself, an erotic, imaginal object at times? Can it? What would that mean? So here's, again, it's just a kind of one way of sort of thinking about territory and range and possibility, and just, what are my tendencies? What are my patterns there? What are the places where actually, maybe I have an unconscious idea, well, that's, that's not so good to go there. Okay, so that's the second one. Um, the third one is the eros psyche logos dynamic itself, or eros psyche and logos. And again, here there's if soul making is allowed to do its thing, if eros is allowed to inseminate and fertilize and get going and do what it wants to do, then all these get called into the vortex of soul making, get get involved, whirl around, reflect each other, inspire and inflame each other further, and for the whole thing gets richer and wider and deeper, etc. Um, and so the question here for reflection at any time, just gentle kind of being aware, is, for instance, um, do I let each of those, uh, what range is possible for me with each of those? So, um, for example, um, am I a little bit reluctant, we were talking yesterday, for Eros to get really strong? 
It's a bit too intense and I'm not sure about it. So that my range of the possible range of eros, from really quite subtle to really quite intense and strong, is actually truncated. Uh, or, or, or it's not a matter of fear, it's just that a habit of being, uh, it's not a habit of my energetic being, uh, and my, let's say, uh, uh, desire body. It's not, it's not yet a habit f- to let that become inflamed. So it just inhabits a certain range. You understand? Um, or it could be the opposite. That I'm somehow prone, everything's super intense all the time, and it's always like raging fire and like, like this. And actually, eros can be extremely subtle. So, and you know, it can be sexual or not sexual. Sexual is just one kind of eros. But do I, is, is there a tendency or a pattern or a preference, conscious or unconscious, for, for the only the intense side of the range of eros? And there's a tremendous amount that can be worked with really, really subtle eros, really subtle. Yeah, so that's an example. Or what's the range of the logos, etc. Um, so these three together is the third one. Um, <clears throat> the last two, actually, again, we've mentioned all this before, but it's good to collect them together in this in this kind of way of looking at them. Um, the last two perhaps could be related to. Well, actually, the Eurosychologus dynamic, but, um, so one is the, uh, spectrum of what we might call, um, I don't know what, what's that? Yeah, apparent, apparent sort of, uh, let's say, uh, pathology, dukkha, uh, madness, uh, violence, uh, weirdness, etc. That, that kind of thing. How much, how apparent that, sometimes I use the word dark, we're debating whether that's the right word, but I use dark for, for now. Um, the range of from really quite weird and dark that you, you probably, you know, that most people in society would consider re- really strange and, and, and very suspect psychologically. Um, all range from that to something that is, seems completely, uh, uh, has no dukkha in it at all. Nothing but what's kind of obviously pure and light and sweet. Uh, it's kind of obviously angelic in the traditional sense, in, in the, in the narrow sense of angelic. So there's that whole spectrum there. And where am I with that? What are my tendencies? Um, wh- how open is the range for me? How okay is it? Um, do I have an, uh, you know, some, uh, relation of fear or preference, or is it just that, as I said when when I talked about this before, just souls are also different, and it also reflects, to some extent, images reflect. To some extent, images reflect what's going on in our lives. So that's that's another possible range, and just to investigate what even comes up for me when I consider those two, uh, that that whole range and the different areas. Makes sense. And then the last one, again, mentioned all before, the fifth one, is the range of energy body texture, of felt sense of the energy body, from very ethereal and sort of luminous and insubstantial, and that, that, that kind of uh, lovely sort of gossamer fil- filigree uh, sense, um, very light, very delicate, to something that's much more dense and solid, and that whole range of energy body experience. And again, what's my typical tendencies or patterns? 
um, what's perhaps a door that I'm closing on a certain part of that range for all kinds of different reasons that doesn't, that doesn't actually, let's say, um, reflect accurately my more natural soul, if we use that language. Um, or what is just, well, this is just how my soul is. You know, it tends to be more often in this part of the range. Yeah. So these are five ranges to kind of just bear in mind and explore a little bit what the responses, reactions, inclinations, desires, tendencies, fears, unsurenesses are about, about each of these ranges. And I forgot to say one thing about the second one, about the self-other-world uh, eros thing. That This has come up a couple of times in interviews, and I think even in the Q&A, so I just want to repeat it now. You know, For the self to become imaginal, it doesn't need to be a figure in an image. It, like, in other words, you might have an imaginal figure, and that imaginal figure is just doing its thing, their, their thing, in their own world, and a person thinks, well, shouldn't I be in the image as well? Or, uh, not necessarily. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it responds to you um, in your meditation. Maybe you enter the image and become a figure in the image, but maybe not. Um, what will happen in the infinite echoing and mirroring and in the way this image uh, just somehow mysteriously speaks to you, even if you don't understand, is that that starts to infuse into the self-sense, either right there in meditation or probably uh, in, in other ways. And then the self-sense in life can become imaginal. And we get the sense that images are uh, asking. We are, we are born from images, as opposed to <coughs> images being born from us. Images ask something of me. My, in a, in a, we play with the idea that my deeper identity is somehow from the image. From the image, I am expressing an image or images. I am asked by images for for to be their face in the world somehow and that face is usually not literal it's refracted in very subtle ways you understand so in terms of the self <coughs> other world eros thing it, it don't don't uh, put that how that <coughs> how that might open up the range in terms of self it's not it's not necessarily so tight and obvious okay is that Everything? Okay. So that's the general introduction. We're only going to have time, as I said, this morning to pick two of those and explore them. But bear them in mind, this list of five, as just, as you, if you go on with this kind of practice, um, as just something you might want to let yourself explore at different times. Yeah. So Catherine's going to introduce how we're going to explore, uh, two of those lists of five.